This morning, I'm joined by John Adamsowitz from the Bacon Funeral Home at Prospect Street, Willimantic. Hopefully, we'll need his services later, not sooner, but we probably all will at some point in time. John, good morning. Thanks for coming in for today. And give me a little background of the Bacon Funeral Home. How long have you been here and what some of the special services are that you offer? Good morning, Wayne. Thanks Thanks for having me here. Uh, well, the Bacon Funeral Home actually started in 1916 by Mr. Delphus Bacon. He was the original owner. Uh, he had it for many, many years. It tra- transferred ownership to Mr. Ronald Sharon, who actually retired last year after 50 years. And then as of January 2019, my wife Tracy and myself, we've actually uh, bought the funeral home and we are presently there. Um, so we are there serving the community of Willimantic and the surrounding areas. Some of the services we offer, we obviously offer you know, cremation and burial services. We offer pre-planning and we do offer aftercare services as well. So we, we run the whole gamut there. Pre-planning, what does that mean? What pre-planning is, it's, it's typically when someone pre-plans their own services or pre-plans someone else's services in advance instead of waiting for when the death happens. So that's what the uh, term pre-planning means. So I walk in with the plan of living to 150, by the way, mm-hmm. and I want to pre-plan. Mm-hmm. What goes into pre-planning? Pre-planning, there's a couple of steps in pre-planning. One is gathering information about the individual, you know, taking down vital statistical information, uh, creating a file. Second is actually selecting a particular burial or cremation service, you know, selecting merchandise, selecting your, your casket, your burial vault, you know, your urn, you know, memorial stationery. And then the last part is actually pre-paying the actual service. So those are the three steps in pre-planning. When it comes to the decision between burial or cremation, what do you hear as the reasons people use for one or the other? Uh, the reasons usually are, well, you know, this is the way my family did it, or this is what we did for mom and dad, so we're just going to do the same. You know, a lot of it may be a financial consideration, um, and a lot of it is just personal choice, personal preference. Does it make for a smoother process when you pre-plan? Because I'm assuming you do get people who have not pre-planned, and then when they pass, it just makes a bit more of an issue. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, when, when someone does pre-plan, you know, the wishes are on paper. Someone comes in and passes away. When, you know, a child knows that mom or dad had taken care of everything, it just relieves all those difficult decisions that have to be made. It's just a matter of just letting us know when they want the funeral. And that's typically all it is. Uh, by not pre-planning and, you know, starting from scratch, you know, a lot of, you know, questions come into your mind, you know, what would mom or dad would have wanted? Am I doing the right thing? You know, there are just a lot of stressful questions that you have to, you know, ask yourself along with obviously being, uh, you know, part of a stressful time of someone being passed away. So there's just a lot of difficult decisions to be made when someone does not pre-plan. Yeah, I, I can see where that's going in the sense that, that if you have to come up with all these difficult decisions at a time when you've just lost a loved one, you might not be thinking straight. And it, it's, it's better to do the pre-planning thing because theoretically you're, you're in a much better state of mind. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yep. All right. So I want to pre-plan. What's the steps? Okay. First of all, it would be meeting with myself at, at Bacon's, you know, setting up a day and a time. You know, we would gather information on, on the individual, you know, background information, you know, education, occupation, you know, date of birth, place of birth, parents' names. 
you know, the, the typical information that we would need to obviously, you know, use for the death certificate that's needed at the time. Next is actually gathering information about the person um, and just making, you know, recommendations of, of the, maybe the type of service or ceremony they may want. Um, and then, you know, actually selecting merchandise. If someone does opt for a traditional funeral service, it would entail, you know, selecting a casket, you know, selecting a burial vault that the cemetery requires, you know, and also to, you know, selecting, you know, uh, memorial stationery, service folders, prayer cards, and, and flowers. So those are typically the, the items that, that need to be selected as, as part of the service. When does the minister, priest, rabbi enter the equation? Uh, those are usually items that fall under what we call cash advance items. These are basically outside charges that are not the funeral home's fees, but we actually include them as the total cost of the service. These are just items we pay out on behalf of the family. So that would be the, you know, like you said, the clergy, the, the minister fees, uh, you know, if the cemetery typically was what they call a preparing the opening fee to dig the grave at the cemetery that that's an outside expense you know another outside expense would be you know uh, crematory fees um, and then newspaper obituaries so those are those are typical outside fees that are that are not included with us but we like to just you know make that as part of the funeral john does the bacon funeral home help with an obituary because again you're dealing with a stressful time and the people that are writing that may not have their full faculties together at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So at some point in time, do you use your experience to help them write the obituary? Yes, yes, I do. The, you know, the, the information that we gather, you know, f for the, from the beginning of the pre-planning, I will actually incorporate that into a draft obituary for the family. And what I usually do is I will, you know, email them a draft that I've come up with, you know, set it up in a typical obituary format, and I'll have the family kind of, you know, edit it, personalize it from that point. So it just kind of gives them a good, you know, uh, you know, starting point of, of how to compose an obituary. And I will definitely do that with, with the family. Absolutely. I do it all the time. Can you talk about what determines the price of a funeral? The price of a funeral is, you know, basically it determines what type of service you're looking for. You know, are you looking for, you know, a visitation? Are you looking for, um, uh, you know, an open casket, you know, awake, uh, you know, either service at church or a service at the funeral home? And then in addition to that, you know, tangible items, items that you're actually buying, which would be, you know, the cost of the casket, the cost of the burial vault, you know, if you're up for cremation, you know, the price of, of an urn, and then any, you know, stationary that, that goes along with that. Um, and then lastly, it would be those outside expenses that I had just mentioned. Those are the items that, you know, we pay on behalf of the family, the cemetery costs, the church costs. Um, and then any flowers that, that, that are selected. So that's going to determine the cost of the funeral. Now, John, when I was in high school, I wanted to be an aeronautical engineer. That didn't work out. When you were in high school, did you want to be a funeral home director? Actually, believe it or not, I did. Um, funny story, when I was in high school, I actually had a part-time job at a funeral home, you know, washing cars, cutting grass, doing maintenance, and you know, I was around it for a couple years uh, prior to graduation, and you know, after high school, went to you know mortuary college, graduated, and I've been doing it for the last 25 years. So yeah, it was actually one of those things I did want to do in high school. Yeah. Wait a minute, mortuary college? Yes. Tell me more. Yeah, they they actually have <laughs> they have specific colleges that actually uh, teach students to be funeral directors. You know, they there are colleges around the Northeast, actually across the United States that 
specifically teach, you know, uh, science-related courses, you know, courses related to the funeral profession, embalming, uh, merchandising, funeral law, you know, psychology. So there are actually, uh, you know, courses of study that pertain to funeral directors and embalmers, you know. Are there a lot of those schools around the country? Uh, they, there were at one point. I believe there were a couple in Connecticut. I believe the the one in Connecticut, I think, is Goodwin College. I think in Hartford, I believe they, they just started a program. Uh, when I went to school, I went to school in Boston, which recently they actually shut the program down. But I believe there's some in New York. There's some out in the Midwest. Some, so there, I mean, there are, but uh, it's not a it's not a large quantity. But there are schools, you know, for that particular uh, area of study. Well, it's quite different from the kids who want to grow up and be a firefighter or something like that. But if if a parent, or for that matter, or a kid, came up to you and said is this a good profession to be in? What would you tell them? Would you recommend this as a profession? Uh, uh, honestly, I think it's if your heart is into it and it's something that you want to do, absolutely. It's definitely a great profession. Uh, you know, some of the, the drawbacks with it, obviously, are the, you know, the unsteady hours. You know, there's no no continuity every day. It's not a 9-to-5 or an 8-to-5 job. You know, the, the phone does ring 24 hours a day, you know, Two, three in the morning. If the phone rings, your day starts. Uh, so it's it's very you know un, un, it's very un. There's no routine to it. Holidays, weekends, you know, you do have to work. So it's it's you know, it's a profession that you have to be you know you have to be passionate about. If you're passionate about it, then it's a perfect thing to get into. So yeah, it's not for everybody, but it's for me actually. It's been a very rewarding, you know, rewarding profession for me. So. All right, whether it's three a.m. or three p.m., the phone rings. Yes. Tell me about the sequence of events. What do you start to do at that point in time? When the phone rings, uh, you know, and, and someone calls in and says, uh, you know, someone has passed away, we will contact the facility or hospital to make arrangements to bring their loved one back into our care. Then we would follow up with the, with the family to schedule a time for them to come in, and we would finalize the arrangements for their loved ones. And that's typically the, the scenario when, when someone passes away. What's the usual turnaround time from the time you get that call to the time there actually is the, well, the calling hours and then eventually the funeral? And it's it's going to vary. It's going to vary based on a lot of factors. Uh, you know, obviously for certain religious reasons, sometimes it has to be quickly. Other times, if there's family members that are scattered out of state, obviously there's going to be a delay for having those family members, you know, come to the local area. But typically, it's usually three to four days, on the average. When you're going to Mortuary College, and I'm sure you keep up on this during the course of time, probably some of the coursework includes the different traditions used by different religions. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, they, they do teach you basic you know, principles, but honestly, a lot of it is just learning on the job and just being a part of it. And that's something you, know, you learn as you are into this profession for, for, for years and you know, dealing with different customs. But yeah, I mean, it's every religious custom has their own certain you know rules and regulations, and that's something you do learn. Yeah. And what's the relationship you have with the local cemeteries? In other words, someone passes away, and the family obviously has got the plot, but you probably have to work with the cemetery as well, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, we we work with the cemetery in you know uh, locating where their particular lot is, and we actually arrange for that uh, lot to be prepared for the burial. So yeah, we definitely work with the with the cemeteries to 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 make that burial happen for them. Yes. Do you do special ceremonies for veterans? We do actually, yes. We, uh, you know, we're, we're very big on veterans. We, we, you know, us at Bacon, we definitely support the the veteran organizations. But we we like to for the veterans, we like to you know honor them for their service. So typically, what that is is 
um, you know, we like to arrange for, you know, military honors if someone's going to be buried. You know, we want to arrange for the, uh, you know, the, the taps, the folding, presentation of the flag, you know, the, the firing party. Um, you know, we'll arrange for, you know, getting someone a veteran's marker or headstone to, to mark their grave. So we will definitely do that for, for the veteran. Absolutely. I guess it's a sign that I'm getting older, but I've been to a lot of funerals, four or five, just in the last year or two, and I find it difficult not to get choked up. Mm. How do you keep your emotions in check? Because you kind of have to do that because of what you do. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there are times where it does get emotional for me on, on certain situations, but for the most part, it's, you know, I have to be the one, I have to be the one to lead the families. I have to be the strong one to, to get them through that, that tough time. Um, and a lot of it is you just kind of have to put it past you and just kind of focus on, on the job that needs to be done. Absolutely. I think what does it for me is when I see the family crying, mm-hmm. especially someone who I know, and I see them start to lose it, and then I start to lose it. Mm-hmm. So I guess after you've done it for a long enough time, you've learned how to hold them back? Yeah, you just, I mean, in order for me to be strong for them, I have to not show any emotion. You know, my job is to just comfort them and just to to guide them through this difficult time. And from a personal standpoint, again, the funerals that I like are the ones that celebrate life. Mm the ones who don't get maudlin and, and, and sad and, and all that. I want to hear about the good things that person did. Mm-hmm. How, how does that play into a funeral service? I realize you don't write the service, but you probably advise the people. But mm-hmm. do you get people that want to make it an uplifting event and not a sad event. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, funerals are sad, you know, for the most part. But yeah, there are families that come in and, you know, let's say their loved one has lived a long life and has passed away into their 90s or, or over 100. They want to make it a celebration of their life. They don't want it to be a sad or a sadder occasion than it already is. They just want to celebrate the good that that person did or the life that they had lived. And we, you know, we can help them with that by making recommendations, you know, selecting a, a memorial of, of a kind to, to make it uplifting and a little bit more joyous. Yes. You had talked earlier about prepayment, how important that is to do it when you've got your wits about you and not during the tragic time of someone passing. Are there payment options when prepaying? Yes, there are actually. Uh, you know, there actually are a couple options for for prepayment. Obviously, the, the the smoothest is just you know somebody just prepaying in full. That's obviously the easiest and, and most convenient. There are times where you know someone's budget doesn't call for, for 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 full payment. So a lot of times they can actually do time payments to meet their own budget. You know, they they can pay monthly, whatever amount they can, they can do that. Or if they do have an existing life insurance policy, you know, they can actually make the beneficiary the funeral home. So at the time, those funds can be payable to the funeral home in exchange for services that we provide for them. John, I was intrigued to read that uh, their prepaid funerals, like we're talking about here, can be transferred to another funeral. Tell me how and how that works and why it would happen. Yeah, uh, that, that's actually the big misconception. This is probably one of the most important pieces is, you know, if someone does have a pre-planned funeral in place at another funeral home, and let's say down the road they come to Bacon's and they, they feel that, you know, let's say they, they like our services and, and obviously the prices are, are better, you know, we can transfer those arrangements to Bacon Funeral Home. You know, so arrangements are transferable to any funeral home you'd like. You know, we can transfer them to Bacon's, you know, we can honor 
the exact same services and we can actually honor the cost of what they paid. We can honor those those costs for them. And there's nothing the family has to do. We just do everything on their behalf, one phone call, and we can do that for them. John, how has the business changed since you got into it? Do you see things done differently now? Or is it pretty much people have been dying for centuries? That Do we do it the same now as when you first got into the business? No, things are definitely changing uh, from, from the time I got into it. First and foremost is the, you know, the rise in cremation. You know, back in the day when I started, you know, there was cremation, but it was very few and far between. Now, that seems to be the prevalent, you know, choice for, for a lot of families is, you know, is cremation. You know, there are families that just want things to be done simply, you know, nothing extravagant, you know, right to the point. Um, so that's, 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 those are pretty much the, the major changes is the rise in, in cremation. Is there a reason for that? Um, you know, cremation, obviously, it's, it's personal choice. It's, um, you know, cost consideration, you know, obviously, because cremation is, you know, a lot more, uh, less expensive than a traditional funeral. But I think it's just, I think it's just the sign of the times. And, and, you know, I think just people are just doing that. You know, I think that's just what it is. All right. Once again, some things up on how people start the process and how they first get involved with the Bacon Funeral Home. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if someone wants to, you know, you know, plan a cremation service again, you know, on a pre-planned basis or at the time of the death, again, we, you know, we'll, we'll bring their loved one back into our care. We'll meet with the family. We'll discuss the options for, for the cremation. And then at that point, it's just, you know, we will do the obituary for the family. Um, you know, if they do want services in addition to the cremation, we can arrange for that. And it's just a matter of just finalizing all the legal paperwork, the authorizations required by the state. And we would, you know, um, proceed with with the cremation bacon funeral home is at 71 prospect street willimantic you can reach them on the telephone at 860-423-1234 john good to see you thanks for coming in this morning thank you very much we appreciate it john adamsowitz from the bacon funeral home on 14 wili willimantic and 95.3 fm